from Ennui. This is Ennui Talk. You can support the show and other Ennui projects by subscribing to Ennui Plus on Patreon. But for now, sit down and enjoy. As well, so it's because yeah. people have told me like there's a there's a there's a few bots you can use through Discord. I don't like them. I don't like the bots they have. They're pretty shitty. Um, I'm just making sure I get my everything up that I need to get up. Um, because I had a document sitting here. Yes, I did. There we go. Cool. Okay, opening page. Awesome. I'm ready to go when you are, Chris. If you're recording. Yep, easy. Alright, so now I'm recording and one, two, three. Mark. Cool, I'll get that. Easy peasy. Okay. Hello, Chris. Christopher Hodge. How are we, my friend? Oh, I'm doing very well. Thank you, Matthew. How are you? I- I'm good. Um it's very glad it's very good to have you back on the hashtag on We Talk Podcast. Everyone's favorite podcast. Blah, blah, blah. Um, this has actually been a, it's been a while since we've recorded, but I was just thinking that this is the room I'm in right now. This is where we recorded the OG podcasts back in the day. And it's, it's been a long time. It has oh, been man. a fucking long time. How long has it been since the first like recordings? So if you know? I'm going to have a look right now. So if I go to YouTube, what's the best place to have a look at it? I think it's probably my... Where do I put my podcast? On Anchor. No, it won't be on there because they're all the pilot season's gone from there. So if I go to the website, if it'll let like three years ago or more. Longer than that. Longer than that. Jesus. I think it's coming up four. Um, Far out. Actually, I am actually very, very smart. And I so I've been using Notion and that's like where I do all my notes. There's calendar stuff. um, Like, so when I, you know, plan my podcast, blah, blah, blah. And it's also really good because all the different... I can integrate everything. So, for example, um, all my shows, like the podcast and that, that's I can embed a calendar of all only the, say, the Omni Talk episodes. And then on the main calendar, it all comes up there. And if I edit something there, it reflects in the show page and all that sort of stuff. And you can link, you can very much like link databases. That's what they call it. So, it's very, very handy when I'm making stuff. Mm-hmm. But I also have on my, um, on my Notion, some in one random sort of document. I actually don't know where I put it. Ah, significant days in Omni history. There we go. Um, so the first ever pilot episode was released on July 31st, 2016. What? Yep. It's been a while. That is crazy. Yeah. It, it, it feels like a long time ago, but it doesn't feel that long ago. Well, that was our first year out of school, wasn't it? Uh, no, you and I were out of school for a bit longer. I think that was the first year that Braden Hayden and that were out of school. That's right. Because I always actually... I had yeah. been out for a little while, I think. Cause like, because I've been um, I've been planning for... Because our, mm. our last year of high school was 2014, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, that's right. That is right. Yeah. Because I was... Because um, I'm planning... Oh, we're doing... Casper and I were producing the Omni documentary. And in the background, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I need to sort of plan the history of Omni and like write it down and... Going back, um, there was like a, there was a year that sort of like disappeared in my memory, because I thought I thought like mm. oh we we produced the because Marty's net show I know for a fact it was like the first year of two thousand seventeen, 
and I was right. Yeah. But yeah. there was like 2016, 2015. It's all very like muddled together because like, it was a whole year where I was like trying to make animated content and calling up different animation studios, thinking I'm cool as an 18 year old trying to get a business off the ground with no <laughs> with no fucking money. Um, yeah. Because that's what the only reason that Omni was registered as a business was because I needed to have um, a company to uh, apply for loans and whatnot. Uh, what is it? A business proprietary. Number? What is it? Yeah, proprietary limited. So a company. So it's a and the business. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All that sort of, you know, all that sort of mumbo jumbo, which is like you know it makes sense. Um, and it's because if you're selling a product, you need to have that to for tax purposes and all that sort of stuff, right? Precisely. And like it's been good in the long run, really. Like it hasn't been um, detrimental. I don't think the only thing like. Because I I changed the business's name from Onwe Entertainment Proprietary Limited to We Are Onwe Proprietary Limited, and that was like a like a hundred fifty dollar fee, two hundred dollar fee, which is like you know it's a little bit, but if you you sh- if you're a company, you should be making I mean, money. Oh so. <laughs> yeah, like that's nothing for some some companies. Like that's that's chump change. Oh, absolutely. Like it was actually um I was doing a course the other day on masterclass. It's and it's a self entrepreneurship self made entrepreneurship class, and it's a lady who invented, the, it's called Spanx. And they're like, they're just like seamless um, leggings, something like that. And they can't see them through pants. Regardless, she when she yeah. started, she saw herself as an inventor more than, um, more so than like a fashion designer. And so she decided to patent the, the design. And she did like what she did. She researched patents. She like read books, blah, blah, blah. And then gave like the little things that only the lawyer could do the last little things so rather than paying five thousand ten thousand dollars she paid seven hundred and fifty dollars i think she said and that is smart i think so many people just go oh money will solve my problem and it doesn't like that's very fucking stupid yeah just do it do what you can do yourself and it saves you so much in the long run it's the same with like um vehicle maintenance like hell i do a lot of my own vehicle maintenance and i've saved thousands and thousands of dollars just doing my own stuff and i mean it takes a little bit longer and there is a chance that you'll screw it up but you get the um, the knowledge and the experience of doing it yourself so you can do it again if you need to and it'll be easier. You save yourself a hell of a lot of money. I mean, it, it's it's win-win for a, lot of, for a lot of things. Is there something like when you do maintenance on your car, is there anything that you wouldn't touch at all? Um, on my older Land Cruiser, I mean, it's, it's super simple. Like everything about it is very old school. I feel like I could pull the whole thing apart and put it back together and I'd I'd, I'd, it'd take a long time mm. and I'd need to do a lot of research, but I could do it with my my Commodore. I mean, I I wouldn't touch its engine at all because as soon as you start pulling like things that have computers attached them apart, all the sensors and everything start playing up and it just becomes a nightmare. So I don't have anywhere near enough experience to work on the modern type of cars, but the older cars, I mean, they're they're easy. You can You can do them. They're fine. Interesting, interesting. It's more, yeah, and like that's what you would have been. That's what you would have grown up on. Well, did your dad? Was that? Was it your dad who you learned a lot of your, um, like a lot of the maintenance stuff from? Uh, yeah, as a kid, yeah, helping him in the shed and all that sort of stuff, doing like small motors and engines and all that sort of stuff. You learn a bit from that, but a lot of the stuff I've learned working on my four wheel drive and that I've kind of just learned over YouTube or learned from just hands on experience, sort of on my own. I haven't really had a much mental mentorship with any of that so just learn as you go yeah see i have no i have no fucking idea about anything with cars like i with see i think with me i'm somebody who's like 
Like I just I want to have a good car that I can just chuck in for a service when it needs a service, and then I'm good to go. You know, like you know, keep my oils up if I need to, all that sort of drama. But I don't know. I th- I don't think it, it it interests. Like it's it's one thing. It's like oh, I want to be interested in that, but it's like I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't hit me. Like it doesn't really like pull me in. And I'm yeah. like I don't know. But I guess that's just me, really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get what you mean. I mean, it could be very confronting because, I mean, like a car, like that's a big investment. Like it, say if you got a new car, that could be like $20,000. And if you screw it up, that could be $20,000 you've just destroyed. Like you don't want to screw it up. And if it costs you what, like $400 to take it to someone and you know they're going to do it right and it's going to last for a while longer until you need to pay that amount of money again hell it's it's a much safer investment to do that than to spend like five hundred dollars on tools and everything you need to do it yourself and then run the risk of you know that's twenty thousand dollars you could be screwing up and insurance isn't going to cover it because you know they they're like well you're meant to take it to a professional so and that's that's it usually just not worth the risk that's the thing and that's the thing yeah and like i wouldn't touch it i wouldn't touch my car i've already i've already fucking i've already fucked it up enough um, you know, dinging up somebody at the, um, running up somebody's ass at the train lines. And there was a, oh, have I told you about the horrible park that I made at, um, Coles and then I like scratched up the side of my car? Oh shit. No. What, what, what did you do that for? Okay. So well, it was not on purpose, but so, okay. I was coming in Coles. I'm like, okay, put my blink wrong. I turned right to that park. And then sort of when I look back up, somebody had like, was just like speeding down the opposite way. I'm like, fuck. So I slammed on my brakes. And I looked over and I'm like, okay, yeah, like I've got enough room for this angle. I'll be able to get in. And I'm like, you know what? I've dedicated myself to it. You know what? I've committed now. And I've gone, I've gone in and I'm like, yep, just a little bit further. And then I hear this scratch and it's like dug up the, the seat, the, the door behind me. So the passenger sides. Oh, mm. What did you hit? Did you hit like a, a pole or another car? It was a ute. And oh, so it scraped there and then it like sort of like got stuck and I'm like, well, going any further is just going to make it any worse. So I reversed back, but then I just couldn't get it. So I had to sort of commit and go all the way through. Didn't make as much damage if, if as if it would, it didn't make as much damage as it would if I sort of like kept going completely, but it made a bit of damage. Um, it's not really good. Um, and the ute was fine, perfectly fine. Cause that's how it fucking works. Yeah. <laughs> the utes are always... Always fine. So it was. It was. It would have been on the tray of the U. Yeah, that's right. Because it, it probably would have been like a steel tray or something that just it's it's stronger than anything your car's made out of. That's exactly right. And you know that, that's not very yeah. nice, but you know, man, that sucks. So yeah, fuck. It sucks. So you haven't got it fixed or anything? No, I haven't yet. I've been looking because I was I was thinking about trading my car in to get a cheaper car because I'm paying so much money on it because it's like, you know, wasn't wasn't planning on it being just my car. So, yeah. but now, you know, I'm just looking into it. Um, I'm thinking of just like consolidating my two loans because I've got a personal loan that I got out that I got for all this Onwe gear. Um, consolidating that. And I used the calculator. Are they through the same bank? Yes, they are. Okay, that's good. So, because so I, I used the calculator NAB had and pretty much I could pay everything over the sa- the seven years, which is what I was going to do anyway for the, for the longer loan. And I'm saving 50 bucks when you incorporate, you know, not paying as much interest and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, overall, I'll just, you know, if I get extra money, just start chucking it in. I don't think... I th- yeah. Debt is a very interesting thing. I think people... Some people think that... Some people think that you need debt to do 
anything in life. Obviously, mm-hmm. houses are a different... Buying a house is a whole different thing. But I think people... I'm say- very much at the opposite school of thought. I go, I go through life with as little debt as possible. Like, I'll wait longer than I should to buy something outright. Like, I, I will just avoid loans at all costs. Like, I, I know there's a massive issue at the moment with people our age and just younger people in general falling into the trap of the whole buy now, pay later, um, like, schemes they've got going. Mm. I was listening to an article the other day, like, it's insane how many people our age have the buy now pay later debts and it's never just one it's like 12 or more all at once like piling up and they're focusing on you know paying off certain ones and letting others like miss payments and it just compounds the debt and it's 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 it really is a trap like it, it does really trap people our age see i've used after a lot of the times the um the repayments on loans like that are a, lo- a hell of a lot higher than other types of loans like they're a lot lot harsher because that's how it works that's how they've sort of um designed them to work and that's why people get yeah, so caught up meant to trap people yeah yeah see i've because i've used afterpay a few times which is like nothing really it's just like you know it just gets split up into four payments and you pay the first payment now and that's only on things where it's like like i don't want to take too much out of like my long my long-term savings or it's something because i'd like realistically over a few weeks i could pay it off like easy it's nothing depends yeah, it depends on the purchase right. i mean it, it's it's fine if you are aware of your finances and you know you can pay it off within a, a certain amount of time and you focus on it but when it, it's when it becomes like a habit and you just let it happen and you know you don't focus on it and it's kind of just like oh yeah i'll pay that off when i get round to it and then you start taking more and more and more and it just compounds and you know it becomes a trap it really does how, like, how, I remember for me personally, it was like just after I finished school was when like I made, that was the first time I made a spreadsheet. And that was when I was like, okay, look, let's look at my expenses, blah, blah, blah. And this is when I was just like working a shitty job down at the commercial. So I was like a kitchen hand and I was earned, like doing three hour shifts, three, four times a week. But I was pretty smart with my money back then, living at home debt free, rent free for the whole, yeah. for that, for that whole first year. Obviously now it's a whole different situation, but I think... And that was nothing we learned in school either. That's we've, and we've discussed that many times in the podcast, just talking about how school has never really taught you how to deal with money. And that's why there's so many people who aren't able to deal with money because they're never, they're never um, made to learn. Yeah, I, I feel like throughout... I, I, I know throughout high school, there's sort of like here and there they'll teach you, oh, yeah, taxes are a thing. You need to prepare yourself for that. This is a thing. You need to prepare yourself for that. But I mean... People's financial situations have changed so much, even just in the last 10 to 20 years. And I don't feel that the curriculum has caught up with just the changing and evolving world. And they just cannot prepare us for what, you know, our lives are going to be like in the next, say, like five years after high school, because they can't really think ahead like that. And I think it's such an outdated curriculum regarding, you know, early adulthood, and it doesn't really prepare high school students at all for what they get about to experience. And it kind of is really just throwing them into the deep end. As soon as they leave high school, you get thrown all of these things that are very foreign and alien to you. And it, it could be very overwhelming. Like I, I remember the first year I had to pay taxes. I was like just shocked at how the whole process works. Like, I mean, I didn't, 
I think the first year I did my taxes, I did it through an agent. I think I did it through like uh, e-ta- uh, e-tax or something like that, like an online one. You pay them like $60 and they file it for you. And I was like, okay, that that's not too bad. I mean, I didn't have to pay too much tax that first year because I'd only been doing like half the year of half that financial year's worth of work. It was the next year I decided, okay, I'm going to do this, do this myself. And just the the jargon you have to try and understand when you're doing your tax return yourself it is so confusing and i mean i did four unit english so i i can i'm pretty good at my um literacy and it was just ridiculous like some of the wording they use it's kind of like they are deliberately trying to confuse people to like be like okay this is very scary and foreign i'm just not going to try and claim anything there because i don't want to get in trouble and it's kind of like the government is trying to cheat you out of your own money like it is just ridiculous so i can understand why accountants and that charge what they do to do tax because hell they know what they're doing i mean over the years i've been doing my tax myself because i've tried to learn the whole process and what to do and as i'm as I do more and more tax returns, it, it's, it is getting easier, but school didn't help at all to prepare me for any of that. And I feel like they definitely should, because that is a very, very major thing. Like tax, if you if you screw that up, you could be in a world of hurt. Oh, and I feel hmm. like, yeah, a lot of people coming out of high school and that, they just aren't prepared for any of it. Fuck no. And, there's, and a lot of you got to figure out yourself. And like, you know, you and I... And much of our friends, we're all, you know, self-motivated people who would go out and do this sort of stuff. There's, and a majority of people in the world would not. Not at all. And, like, just talking about, like, because, like, you know, my my debt right now, I would say it's, if I compile my two loans, it's about 33000 Which is, like, nothing huge, but it's it's there. It's a little bit. But then when I look at my expenses, it's like really what can I cut down on? Like I'm looking at like like mm-hmm. per month when I look at it. It's like, you know, my phone bill, it's $65 a month. I can't really cut that down. I've got a few subscriptions here and there. Some of them are needed. Um, like, you know, there's my Netflix there. I'm paying $14 a month, which is like three bucks a week. And it's like a lot of those aren't really dramatic at all. Like it's, it's I feel like if I cut any of them out, I'm going to be you know less happy because I can't use those things. But it's not going to make a dramatic dip in my debt. Do you know it's like how people say, "Oh, you have to, you know, stop going out to drink coffee and stop going out to eat out all the time and stuff like that." I think yeah. some people, I've seen some um, like financial experts and some stuff like that. Some have taught it well, and some have gone and cut for that bullshit. It's like you know, you can go out and have your coffees. Obviously, not all the time, but you can go out and have a coffee you know, once a week, twice a week, even three times a week, if you know how you're managing the rest of your money. Yeah, that's that's right. You need to account for luxuries somewhere in your finances. You need to have an allowance for that kind of thing. Because, you know, I mean, if you lived your entire life only buying what you needed to survive, you'll live a pretty boring life. Like, you need to enjoy things here and there. You can't just, you know, shut yourself in and focus on, you know, paying off all your debt and all that sort of stuff. I mean... That'd be a smart idea if you had a ridiculous amount of debt. Obviously, then you don't, you can't afford your luxuries. But if you know you've got a reasonable amount of debt, you've worked your finances around it all, and you're like, okay, I've got, I'm saving this much in excess per week. I can afford to use, say, this percentage of that uh, amount I'm saving as like for my luxuries. You know, go out, have a coffee, 
just live your life. Don't get swallowed by debt because then you'll just be a miserable, freaking depressed, sad little man. Exactly. Sack of shit. Don't let that happen. Yeah, that's right. You don't want <laughs> that because then, I don't know, you might all of a sudden be like, okay, I'm just going to buy this out of sadness or something. And there you go. There's more debt. Like, I don't know. And that's that's exactly it. Like, when I look at my stuff, it's like, you know, you know after, after I re- um, I consolidate these two loans, all that sort of stuff. It'll be about $150, $150 a week to pay off that loan, which is a little bit, but it was, you know, all up. It was more than that. It was like $230, $240, something like that. And that's paying it off over seven years. Um, and like, you know, I know I always, and I'm also taking into consideration, like, you know, paying for my green slip for my car, my car, rego, my comprehensive, like, insurance and stuff like that, as well as my service. I take that in consideration as well. And I feel like yeah. those, like, obviously, you know, you have to pay your rego, you have to pay all that. But especially the services, like, for the longest time, I never took into consideration, hey, maybe I should pay, sorry, maybe I should save money for my service. Because over the long term, that's what keeps the value of that car. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, I don't think it's something people think about straight away. But if that car, if my car's not getting serviced, and in, like, 10 years, I want to sell it, like, well, you know... Oh, sorry, I haven't, I haven't really serviced that well. It's not running that well, blah, blah, blah. Haven't, you, you end up having to replace stuff, blah, 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 spending more money than you've needed to. Putting it In a lot of cases, people put more money into their cars than what they bought it for. I've seen that so many times because they don't know how to maintain their car, even at the base level. Oh, yeah. Cars are definitely a depreciative asset. Like, I think, what, what is it for businesses? You, you're meant to depreciate vehicles by like 20% every year or something like something that? Something like, like that, yeah. It's it's ridiculous, and they're they're a money sink. Like I know in New South Wales, we get pretty raped over um, car maintenance costs. Like we pay, we have to do green slips. We have to do um, what is it? You have to get uh, third party insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to pay and rego as well. Like it's three separate payments for a car that's over five years old before you can have it registered. And I know in a lot of other states, there's a, there's like one or two payments. Like, I think it's Victoria. You only have to do like one payment and it's like all three combined and it's like even cheaper or something like that. Like, we get really screwed over in New South Wales regarding um, vehicle registration. So, I mean, like, y- you really need to count that into your finances. And I think it's, I don't know, I've always done my rego and things as a one-year payment. Mm which makes it a much larger lump sum payment, it's never really been much of an issue for me. But I can understand why people do the, I think it's six monthly one you can do or whatever it is. And yeah. it might be a lot easier for them to manage their finances if it's a smaller lump sum payment. Yeah, it's a bit more of a hassle because you got to do it every six months and not once a year. But it could be a lot easier for you to manage your finances that way rather than, you know, all of a sudden you're a month away from a lump sum of like, one thousand five hundred six hundred dollars you got to pay and you have to pay it because you know you can't be driving around an unregistered vehicle that's you're asking for trouble there you're going to get fined and end up even paying like paying even more money and that's it and that's it and you could use and that's the thing you just got to do what you got to do like you know what are we going to do we're going to change the game are we going to like start a um a new revolution and oh you know cheaper car <laughs> payments and cheaper red zone shit? It's not doesn't work like that. I'm gonna put I'm not putting my fucking energy into that shit. Um, yeah. I'd rather put my energy into being good at my job and you know advancing my own skills and all that sort of garbage to earn more money. And that's actually that's one thing I was going to say. 
Um, I think some people will go, oh, I need to get my expenses down, get my expenses down. They spend so much time and energy doing that when, you know, they're probably at a point where they're all right and they probably should be putting time and energy into earning more money, getting a raise, getting a better job, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and just people get comfortable yeah. in the little things, the little tiny things, and I hate it, especially yeah. in this small town, the small town mentality, all oh. that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's a big thing. Like, I know people who live in the city are usually very career-driven, and, you know, I mean, you have to be because the living expenses in the city are a hell of a lot higher than it is out in the country. I feel like a lot of country people just get stuck in the rut of, you know, I'm I'm doing fine now, and then they just hold that for the rest of their lives. They don't really try to strive for anything more. And, no, people really need to, you know, focus on themselves, you know, Always think of self-improvement opportunities. Like, just work on yourself. Because that's what I'm doing now. Like, you know, I've gone down from five days to four days a week, partially because, okay, I, I really want to get out of the job that I'm at. It's not what I want to do for the rest of my lives. And I was at a point where, and the, the sort of job I'm in, it's very, it's all or nothing sort of thing. Like, if you're working five days a week, you're in the business. You are very, very much yeah. in the business. And it's like, I needed to do something to get out. And going down to four days a week has really, really made a difference. And now... I mean, if that makes you happier and it's improving your mental health and all that sort of things, and it's allowing you to focus on something that you're truly passionate about, then hell yeah, that's the best thing you could be doing. Absolutely. And like, so what I've been doing is, because I've had my masterclass subscription sitting there and it's 25 bucks a month and I haven't been using it. And like, you know, that, that's not really much for, you know, educational purposes, really. Like that's quite, quite, quite cheap. But in the last two weeks... And I've only been um, out of this, um, I've only been gone to four days a week for one week now. And I've already smashed out two courses on self-entrepreneurship and on um, comedy with Steve Martin. So I've smashed those out and I've learned so much. And it's and a lot of it's like accelerated learning for me. Like, you know, there's all these assignments and stuff you could do, blah, blah, blah. But I sort of read them and go, okay, how can I apply this to my life straight away? How can I sort of apply this to what I'm doing and the skills I'm trying to develop, blah, blah, blah. And learn that way rather than, okay, let's spend three, four weeks doing this course and doing the assignments when like a lot of the stuff I already know, um, not already know, but it's like a lot of the stuff you can just like sort of write down, think about, read later and not do this. Because like some of the assignments, yeah. like for the comedy one was, oh, go do an open mic night and um, only come up with your act like half an hour before. That's not really realistic for me, especially in COVID sort of stuff as well, um, in COVID times. And I think... I have still learned everything. He's like, I've, I've listened to Steve Martin and I've made notes and all that. I think I've, that's, that's the exact same. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's not the exact same. Obviously, if you put everything into action, but I'm putting things into action just in a different way. Like I take his lessons and apply it to what I'm doing. And there's so many good courses on Masterclass. Like obviously there's the business ones and all that sort of stuff. But there's some like, there's some on, there's one on the art of negotiate the art of negotiation with a former FBI hostage negotiator. There's one for playing the ukulele. There's one for, there's, there's a few really, really good cooking ones. Gordon Ramsay has a course on there. Um, there's a lot of really good ones on there. And I think it's, I'm probably going to smash through all of them at one point. Like I'll probably even get to some of the cooking ones. Yeah. Maybe not the makeup ones, the makeup and beauty. That's not my <laughs> sort of thing, but it's not all your about, forte. No, not my forte, but it's all about self-improvement and it's, and it's, you know, even if I don't get directly into the job, the line of like, you know, at the end of the day, I want to run my own business, blah, blah, blah. But I can say that all I like, but you know, that's, there's a, that there's a bit of luck that comes with that. You know, I can put all the effort I want in, but like 
at the end of the day, I would just like to work in the industry. And a lot of these schools are going to help me in the industry. And I think, but also a lot of these schools are going to help me in any business I go into, whether it's like, you know, whether it's entertainment, like I want to be or journalism or um, running a business. And like, you know what I mean? Like just talking to people, communication and stuff. That's something that I've learned in all these sort of courses, how to talk to people, how to work with people. Not people, not yeah, many people do. Yeah, they're all transferable skills. Yeah, Absolutely. that's right. Yeah, people... Have you, um, mm. have you heard of a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad? No, I have not. Okay. Well, I, I bought it on eBay uh, on Monday. And um, it's about, I don't know, it's a book written by a guy who... It's, it's like growing up with a rich family... They, the children are given information that, you know, poor parents can't give their children. And it's a book all about, you know, the things a rich dad tells their children that a poor dad doesn't. And it's like a, fi- a financial self-help type of book. Mm. And I'm really interested in reading it. I'll, I'll let you read it once once I'm done with it. That'd be really good, actually. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Because I'm, re- I'm really interested in that concept. You know, like there's, there's cl- clearly things, you know, like rich people usually hold on to their wealth and their children are usually then subsequently wealthy as well and it's like you know if you you're you're trapped in that on the other side of the spectrum the the poor end of society you usually it's usually very very hard to get out of that so it's like i'm very interested in learning you know what do the rich tell their kids like i i know like trump and that i mean oh yeah i I took a small loan of a million dollars from my dad like yeah that's 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 clearly different like that—that's like money making money, not necessarily the things behind. Oh, you know, this is a financial choice you need to make at a certain point in your life that it will, you know, greatly help you in the long run, and it might not make too much sense then, but it will later on. That sort of thing. There was actually watched a video the other day with Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, and it was him talking about it was I think he was twenty one, twenty one years old, and he got the million dollar contract. No, it was a million-dollar brand deal he got. He got it straight away. Yeah, wow. And he didn't understand, like, you know, at that time, he didn't understand the the concept of, like, taxes and all that sort of stuff. Like, at the end of the day, he only got $600,000 after tax and all the other cuts that people took, blah, blah, blah. And he got the hundred... So, he got the million dollars. And he was, like, he went and bought this $150,000 car. Took it home. Didn't negotiate at all. And then his dad says, well, I want one of those. So, he goes back. And he gets his dad one as well. And it's another (laughs) $150,000. And his mum goes, oh, those are really nice, but they're a bit big for me. Can I get one as well, but like a smaller type? She gets one, one as well. And he's nearly out of fucking money. He's already spent all his money. And he got a call from his um, the man who was handling their finances. And he sort of, you know, put into him like how to manage his money. And there was, um, there was like a few sort of different people who wanted to come in and go, oh, you know, you give me your... This is after when he got one of his big contracts, like for like 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, something like that. And they were like, oh, you give me like 2 million, I can make that into 30 million. Or, and then there was a few guys who yeah. came along and did that. And there was a little Jewish man who came in and said, like, you know, put your money into bonds, put your money into all this smart sort of stuff. Investment. That's what it was. It was investing the money, not just let's turn this bit of money into something even bigger. And yeah, that's, right. that's the one he went into. He was a little Jewish man, of course. Why not? They're very smart with their money. But it was that, it was that sort of thing. I think... Um, I think a lot of money can make people go crazy. People people throw money at things thinking it'll 
solve aspects of their life. I think, you know, there's the whole thing where um, people who earn lots of money are less happy because they don't know how to manage that money. They don't know how to work with that money. That's why I would always be scared of being born into money because I think in a lot of cases it's it's scary unless you're taught the right way. Well, yeah. Money can be very stressful. If you if you don't know how to handle it, That's that, it, it could be either a massive, you know, benefit to your life mm. or a huge hindrance. Like if you think about people who well, have won the lottery, not necessarily poor people, but people who don't have a very good grasp on large amounts of money, you get all that money and it's kind of like, oh, you know, you've got all of a sudden seven, maybe eight figures in your bank account and it's like, well, what do I do with this? And clearly the smart thing is to invest. You don't want to just go out and buy things that are going to depreciate in value or, you know, you run the, the run the gauntlet of, you know, property market and hell, you've made, you make a few bad decisions and all of a sudden that turns into six figures or five figures and you've, you've lost all your money. And like investments are, depending on how you go, the best option because, you know, if, some people think, oh, you know, you leave all that money in your bank account and you're just going to accumulate interest over time. The interest the bank is going to give you is a, is nothing compared to what you can make from investments. And if you if you're very smart about it, if you do your research, you know, you can you can find something to invest in. Like if you go back 20 years and put, I don't know, $100,000 into Google, imagine what that would be worth now. Fuck, like fuckload. You you, you got to think about it. Think about the long term. You don't just think about what's going to ha- make me happy now. Sure enough, if you've got enough money that, you know, you've got $10 million or something, you can go out and have a holiday or something, but then put the rest of that into a long-term investment fund or something like that. You can make yourself happy, but don't overindulge. Don't waste that money, like, in the first couple of days of having it because... Yeah, that's that's not going to be great for you long term, and like like you said, going out and buying expensive cars. Say if you go out and buy a hundred fifty thousand dollar car, you then have to pay insurances for that car. You have to pay registration for that car, and because it's such an expensive car, the insurances and registration are going to be a hell of a lot more than a regular car. So you need to factor that in into okay, a year after I bought this car, I'm going to have to pay another ten thousand dollars on this car to just keep it like. And because you've had it for a year, it's depreciated in value. So if you go to sell it, you'll have lost money there as well. So like that—that's a big thing with going out and indulging like that on and buy and buying things that depreciate. You need you need to think about that as well. You can't just you know do whatever you want. <laughs> no, and that's exactly it. I think people just and people some people just like to see their money like but like on oh, a sitting in their bank account just one million dollars. That's cool and all. But that money's just sitting there and it's you could be making so much more it's much, much smarter yeah, it's, to invest that money into into stocks, into make other your money businesses. Work for you, yeah. Exactly right. And you know, if you've got that much money yeah. sitting there, you could pay somebody pretty much to handle that money um in the proper ways. Obviously, you know, you could do a lot of it yourself, but you know, if that's something that you really want out of sight, out of mind, the money just comes in. You can pay people for that. If you've got that much money sitting there, like that's not gonna be much of a problem at all. Um, and there was someone actually wanted to mention, Nick Kroll. So, Nick Kroll was the... Um, he co-created and stars in Big Mouth, a show that everybody... Everybody that I seem Big to... Mouth. yeah. Some, <laughs> I've heard some people say that it's um, it's pedo bait. Um, and I've heard some people... Don't, not think that. I've seen... I've heard some people say that it's complete pedo bait, 
where it's like, you know, little girls talking about their boobs, blah, blah, blah. And it's for pedophiles. And I disagree very, very strongly with that. It's kind of like a coming of age comedy slash drama. I don't know. Even if they are nine years old, it's a, it's a completely different thing. It's okay. I compare Big Mouth to South Park. If there were actually little kids doing what they did on South Park, for example. I mean, it's it's not cuties. <laughs> no, exactly right. It's not cuties. Like, when I think of, um, like, you know, there's a whole South Park episode where Ike, a four-year-old boy, has a sexual relations with his teacher, and nobody really mm. chucked up a chucked up a stuff about that. Um, rega- nice. Regardless. Um, nice. Um, <laughs> Nick Kroll. So, he, um, you know, starred in, co-created Big Mouth, um, in many, many other comedy shows. But his father is Jules Kroll, and Jules Kroll owns um, a company called Kroll Inc., which is they're they're credited with finding um with founding sorry the modern corporate investigations industry in 1972 so like that's their sort of business it's um corporate investigations risk consulting that sort of stuff and their revenue in even just in 2007 just on their Wikipedia page one billion dollars so his dad runs a quite a successful company and there were many people throughout the years saying oh you know your dad's just rich that's why you're here blah 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 but he started from like ground zero. Like, you know, he went to university and all that sort of stuff, graduated from um, Georgetown University, but he really wanted to start from the bottom. Like, he was, um, you know, working all the little clubs and doing what anybody would do to get up in the comedy game and then get up in the writing game and blah, blah, blah. He did exactly what everyone else did. I think it would be quite... be. I think that it would be quite hard to start from the bottom as a rich person, maybe even more so than a poor person starting from the bottom. Because you have to go through the fact that people think that, you know, you have to overcome expectations. I think it'd be just as hard. Yeah, I mean, as you face an entirely different set of challenges. And, I mean, neither of us are by any means rich. So, we, we haven't had to experience that. But, yeah, I can, I can imagine there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a completely different set of challenges. I, I heard this thing once. It was like... $100,000, that's something you have to work for. Mm. Like, you, you have to have a job, you work for, and you get $100,000. $100 million, on the other hand, that works for you. Yeah. Like, you, you probably haven't worked for that money, but you can make that money work for you. So, it's like, you know, once you get past a certain threshold, you no longer need to do physical labor or actually do a job. Mm. You can just sit back and let your money do the work for you. Exactly right. That that's what investing can do for you, exactly. And that's what the rich, you know, that that's that's what they do. They don't really have to work. I mean, some of them, yeah, they work because they enjoy the their job, or they have they're the head of a comp like a multinational million billion dollar company or whatever, and they're the face of that company. So yeah, they need to work to keep growing their wealth. But they could just drop out of that that company or business or whatever they're in and take their money with them and then just make that money work for them for the rest of their lives it's a choice they make to keep on actually working a job they don't have to no exactly right and that is exactly it um before we do sum up i feel like you know for those young people who are listening or even you know 24 year olds um one book that i read Okay, I probably should clarify. One audio book that I listened to, <laughs> I thought it was the book, but it was actually the audio book. Um, it's called um, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. No guilt, no excuses, no BS. Just a six-week program that works. Um, it's by Ramit Sethi. 
Um, Indian man, R-A-M-I-T-S-E-T-H-I, Ramit Sethi. And um, just like the, the book shows you, I'm just looking at the fucking goodreads.com, um, talking about it. Um, how to crush your debt and student loans faster than you thought possible. Setting up no fee, high interest bank accounts that won't gouge you for every penny. Automate your finances. Talk about getting out of late fees. Um, how to save hundreds or even thousands a month and still buy what you love. A set it and forget it investment strategy. Handle um, how to handle buying a car or a house, paying for a wedding, having kids, etc. Other big expenses, stress free, and the exact words to use to negotiate a big raise at work. This this audiobook really really helped me. Just little things as well. Um, I think the big thing I took of it was um, automating my finances so everything gets saved the way I want it to. Like on my when I when my pay comes in on Tuesday, I don't see it. It goes, it just disperses into my various accounts, my bills, my savings, et cetera, et cetera. And that has made my, me very, very much stress-free. I've got other things to stress about. I don't want to stress about my pay coming in and going to the right, um, going towards the right things. Because if there's money just sitting there, I'll go, hey, let's go get Maccas or let's go buy oh that new that new DVD even though I could just download it illegally as a torrent or watch it on Netflix etc etc um, I'm much much better now I think actually and one thing is I think just having it all automated over the years if I have extra money there I'm just like yep okay I'm just going to transfer that into my long term savings account or I'll transfer it into my loan account so it pays off you know another 40 bucks another 50 bucks but it's chipping away at it and a little bit bit by bit and i think like that yeah. and that's one resource that i use that really really helped me from i i bought that when i was 18 years old i read it i heard about it in the tim ferris podcast and it's very very much so helped me absolutely yeah i mean I'll, I'll give you an example of um someone who didn't manage their finances correctly mm. from a young age is it brad my youngest brother no <laughs> youngest one not brad he's he's doing pretty good actually nah. he's doing all right good stuff brad um like Matt, he came straight out of high school and he went into a apprenticeship and, you know, it was on pretty good money for a kid his age. And he pretty much instantly, as soon as it hit his bank account, was it, he was outspending it, you know. It's like, oh, I've got all this money. I'm still living at home. I don't have any expenses. So I have all this money that I can spend. So he was out drinking, partying, gambling, you know, all that sort of stuff. Bought, you know, the Hilux that they all buy and modded it and did all this crap and you know as the years went on he he maintained that lifestyle sort of just spending as he went and not really caring too much as he's gotten older he's 21 now and he's he bought a fifty thousand dollar car and that that all went like he got a loan for the fifty thousand dollar car and he was like well well shit i'm gonna have to start paying off this loan now so he went to a financial advisor and they were like, what the hell are you doing? And they were just shocked at his, his lifestyle, Fuck his me. like high risk um, lifestyle and just how quickly he'd spend the money that hit his account. And they were like, you need to stop. You need to stop this now. <laughs> and they were like, okay, you need to take out um, income insurance because you live such a high risk lifestyle and because his career now is at risk because of everything that's going on and just the state of the world, they were like, you need income protection because if all of a sudden you're out of the job, you have this $50,000 loan you need to pay. And he was like, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't think of that. You know, I need to 
pay this loan off. It's not just going to freeze if I go out of the job. So he's now paying income protection insurance. He's starting to ease up a bit on his crazy lifestyle. Um, he still goes out drinking and all that sort of stuff, but he's a little bit more conscious of what it means to his finances. And he really did just need that shock of, okay, you have this huge amount of debt now and you have to pay it off and you can't just afford to go out and blow all this money you've, you know, just been given. You actually need to spend it wisely. And uh, you kind of want to avoid that shock. You, you, if you could go your life without being like, holy shit, okay, I've just taken out this huge amount of debt and I can't continue the way I'm living that makes me happy to pay off this debt. Ideally, you want to avoid that feeling. Oh, fuck yeah. Absolutely. That would kill anybody. Like, I'm sure that he's realized, like, what the fuck have I done? And now, you know, he's got to, you know, live with the consequences and deal with the consequences and in a smart way. And I'm glad that he's, you know, put his foot forward and gone to the right people and not just try to figure it out himself because he, it's a very hard yeah. thing. And he's also in a very similar situation to you, like with your car, it's you're spending more on it than you feel like you're getting back from owning that car. Yeah. His, the Land Cruiser he bought, the big V8, whatever, it chews up so much money in maintenance costs and fuel and all that. And he's just like, he doesn't really need it. It's kind, it's, it's nice. Like it's a nice car. It's loud. It's awesome to drive, all that sort of stuff. It's great, but it's not what he needs at the moment he needs a car to get him to and from work and occasionally do a trip somewhere that's all he needs and his car just it's overkill it's way too expensive it's you know so he's thinking of selling it paying off the loan and buying a car maybe half the value that's you know a smaller engine will use less in fuel easy to maintain and then that's you know, helping his finances, helping him save, and then eventually maybe he can buy one outright, one of the nicer cars outright, and then he won't owe anything on it. It'll be better for his finances. Or he can be diverting that money into an account to save for a house deposit or something like that, which of course is a better investment than, you know, just paying off debt. Absolutely. And actually, now that I think about it, that's probably what I should do. I probably should just sell my expensive car, trade it in. I might even trade it in, get the money from that, do you have to do you have to let the bank know if you're trading in the car that because you know obviously if you can't pay the payments on a car blah 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 there's an asset that they have to there's something they have to take away from you um I don't know if I haven't been in that situation but I don't know if the bank really cares mm. um once you've taken the loan as long as you pay it back that's all they care about okay. so if you then sell the car and continue paying off that loan I don't think they would care too much. Maybe look into that, though. Don't take my word for no, it. That's interesting. I'll have a look at that. Um, but before <laughs> yeah. before we sum up, Chris, what is one... Is there... If you could tell your 18-year-old um, self, your 18-year-old self, um, one thing that you've learned about finance, about money, what would you say? Yeah. So, straight out of high school, I went into a job that I I enjoyed at the time. It was good. But it was not by any means paying me enough for my goals for that point of my life. If I could say something to my 18-year-old self, it'd be, don't be a fucking wimp and stick to a job just because you think it's the best you can do. Keep striving to do better. 
I think I I got stuck in that rut for three years hmm. of just like, okay, this is my life. This I've got a job. This is great. This is what I need. But no, I could have done a lot better a lot earlier on. And I wish I'd pushed, my, pushed myself to do that. I mean, social anxiety was a big thing for me coming out of high school. Hmm. But I shouldn't have. I should have got on top of that a lot sooner. Definitely. That's good advice, Chris. And I like that. I like that. This is not where I thought this episode was going to go, but I like that. I think personal finance is a very big, very, very big thing. Um, and thank you for joining me, Chris. I appreciate that very much. Thanks for having me. Always enjoy it. On We Talk is hosted by Matthew Winner, produced by On We. You can listen to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or watch it in its entirety at youtube.com slash TV one You can show your support by becoming an Ennui Plus member, where you get exclusive series and podcasts, early access, and member-only perks. Join us at ennui.tv forward slash plus. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.